Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball. And now, here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Hey, welcome back to Baseball's Inside Journey podcast. My name is Eric Powers, along with... Coach Drew. Yeah, man. How are you? Good? I'm great, man. Great to be here. It's a beautiful day. It is. And uh, any day we're talking baseball is a beautiful day and doing more of our kind of off-season uh, podcast version here uh, for everybody that's uh, interested. And we always say share it, man. Share it, like it, subscribe, just get it out, right? Yeah, yeah we're trying to – we really are working hard to give our listeners some really compelling information mm-hmm. and subject matter experts that they can kind of give them information they can use. But it's really important that everybody kind of helps us create this community and, and shares our podcast with social media or, or what have you. So. Yeah, and, and this week we wanted to uh, take it to, I would say, uh, the legend in tournaments, right? Is oh, that yeah. the way to introduce him? For sure. Uh, let me make sure I get his name right, though. And we're creating his title as we go. <laughs> is it Arlo Evasek, right? Yes? Yes, it is. Oh, hey, All right. winner. All right. Hey, from, nailed it. From, <laughs> it out of the park. Nice. Home run, baby. I was swinging for the fences from GSL tournaments. And, and pretty much, is it fair to say, Arlo, you, you run all the tournaments, correct? Yeah, we organize them and set them up and just communicate with different either communities, local parks and recs, high schools, colleges, and run up and down the I-5 corridor. And the last couple of years, we've expanded out towards eastern Washington as well. Love it, man. Well, we appreciate you being on uh, Baseball's Inside Journey. So this is exciting, man. We want to learn about it. We got a lot of questions for you. Yeah. Say, Arlo, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we've been kind of working on this for a while. But coming on now is kind of a really we're in, you know, the end of the year kind of holiday season. But as we start looking into the 2024 baseball season and and upcoming tournaments that that you're getting scheduled and everybody is registering for, what kind of changes would you say that most of the teams and programs are going to be seeing in in the tournaments? Nothing. I'm sure there's not going to be very huge changes, but I know on a yearly basis, you typically make some changes here and there and have to consider different things that maybe people aren't aware of. So maybe you could talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the first thing, so we get together, obviously I organized the GSL tournaments and we work really close with West Coast Premier and Seattle Elite League. And one of the first things we always talk about when we get together is competition and how are we going to provide teams with the appropriate level of competition. We feel as as tournament directors and people find it, I, I don't imagine they consider this as something we think about. But once they decide to play with us, we feel it's our responsibility to make sure they're getting the most value out of the event as humanly possible, which we believe stems from competitive games. Nobody wants to go out and play a game and win by 10 or lose by 10 because it doesn't promote development, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. promote competition. It doesn't promote growth, whether you're on the giving or receiving end of of a 10-run game. It doesn't help the kids get better. So we work on, you know, segmenting divisions with AAA and majors. We work on ranking systems. We work on specific events and series, different series we run inside our events to try to get teams playing other teams that are of similar records because if we do our job correctly, everybody would be 500 at the end of the year when they play in our events. That's one. That's one thing we're always working on. The second, and we spent a lot of time and money even so far this year without running any, any games, investing into umpires, both training and professionalism, so appearance. Because one thing that there's been a shortage of over the last couple of years 
other than fields is definitely the umpire. So we've gone out to recruit more umpires, train more umpires, and continue to actually outfit them with better attire, meaning, you know, hats and and gear. We we have a bunch of gear we purchase for our umpires and then the the jerseys, the polos for them so they can look professional. Mm -hmm. So those are two of the things. You know, competition and, and quality of umpires are two two big focuses we've had, all three of us this offseason. So tell us a little bit about your tournaments when you're considering, I mean, obviously you have tournaments all over all over the Northwest, but when you're considering different tournaments, and obviously I know there some will have a history of being perhaps more competitive or bringing in a larger field of teams than, than others, but when you're looking at those and the amount of time constraints you have depending on the amount of teams and, and field availabilities and things like that, what I want to have you talk about is kind of pitch limits and the time with some of those things, because I mean, that's got to be one thing your guys are considering every single year is how do we come up with a system that, that really protects these kids as much as possible from injuring themselves in or being overused in any of these tournaments. And so when you have, when you kind of are dealing with all those types of things, those considerations at your different tournaments, are there different tournaments where you would have a different set of limits because maybe it's not as competitive as certain tournaments? Yeah. So that's a interesting question. Pitch limits are, are tough, right? First, I'd preface it with, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, nor have I done the research to even tell you what's most beneficial for kids. But I do know between USA baseball and their pitch smart and, you know, WIAA, the, the high school association, they use, they use something very similar to that. There, there are people that are professionals who have done the research and, and made determinations on what's best for kids. So the hardest part for us as tournament people are, we talk about it all the time. Is it, is it my job as a tournament director to tell you as the coach, right? You coach a team whose responsibility is it to look out for the kids? Is it mine? Is it yours as the coach? Is mm-hmm. it the parent who's choosing to play on that team? Ultimately, where does the decision fall? And, and when I first started doing this, we did an, uh, it was an innings limit. So it didn't mm-hmm. matter how many pitches you threw. It was all based off innings, which was a fairly archaic way, I believe, of doing it. So we switched to we tried doing a pitch count where the umpires would tally up pitches without getting too crazy into technology and having a scorekeeper on staff at every game that didn't go very well that didn't last very long so we fell within the lines of somewhere between the usa pitch smart and the the high school rules for washington for pitch counts Mm -hmm. based on you know everything they decided so for us it's here's the standards for high school here's the standards for usa pitch smart based on their research and we implement it to the point where if somebody protests and they go into game changers, you know, it's an ejection for the coach and an ejection for the player. And then ultimately you'd like to imagine coaches would do what's best for their kids and not throw them more than, you know, we allow Mm -hmm. for a long time. We didn't have pitch counts at the high school level and you'd be amazed. Some of the, some of the pitch count screenshots I'd get from people's game changers accounts of what kids were doing. But there's always the edge case, right? And I think that's what makes it tough is you get a submarine pitcher who might throw three days in a row, 20 pitches each day, and he's perfectly fine is, you know, a little different than a guy. You know, everybody's body's a little different. Every throwing style is a little different. Yeah. And that's where it's like, do we take on the responsibility? Do you give it to the coaches or do you give it to the parents? But ultimately we, we all landed as a group. Best decision is, is to follow the, you know, somewhere between the USA pitch smarts and then the, the high school 
And then, as you can probably speak to a little bit as a coach, right? You play in a three-day tournament. You got a game on Friday, two games on Saturday, and then three games on Sunday to win a bracket. You know, how are you going to get through a tournament and be competitive with you know that many games in that short period of time is tough, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and managing. Yeah, how do you how do you manage that pitching staff the right way to where you can get where you want to go? And uh, in fact, actually, we just ran into that last year in our final tournament. It was, I can't remember the name of the tournament, but it was the end of July last year. But I manage my staff a little differently than than some. I, I don't manage to win tournaments. I, I want to win the game in front of us. That's what's important to me. And, and in this case, we were playing Narrows, which Narrows, was the yeah. number one yeah. ranked team, which is going to go to Eric's question here. But <laughs> the was last year the num- number one ranked team in our state. And I wanted to win that game. And that game yep. didn't mm-hmm. mean anything when it came to us being into you know into the playoffs and where we wanted to go but it meant something to me and it meant something to our team and so i I managed it differently in that way and i kind of usually tend to but other coaches do it differently so eric i know you had a question yeah speaking of let me me, before eric before we move on i want to because this is this is this kind of goes into that competition and pitch count is kind of it's a great transition into this event innovation is something we've been big on this year is figuring out better structures for tournaments because to the pitch count point, they're not exactly conducive to taking care of arms, Mm. you know, two pool play games or three pool play games, and then three tiered brackets on Sundays. So our youth director for GSL, he, he came up with this, you know, this is not like it's rocket science, but we started putting teams into 16 team brackets on Saturday morning so that instead of having pool play games that may or may not matter, in trying to, you know, strategically use your pitching that way. It's it's a, you know, 16 team single elimination bracket, winners to the right, losers to the left. Everybody still plays their three or four games, but nobody has to play three games in a day. And every game is basically, you know, win and go on or lose and you're out of the you're out of the running for the championship, which helps you manage your in my opinion, it, it helps you manage your pitching staff where it's more like, hey, this this game's the only one that matters. Win this, get to the next, right? Mm-hmm. You're not you're not trying to balance, you know, I can throw this guy thirty pitches today and then right. throw him tomorrow based on the score and the innings and this team allowed seven runs, so we can't allow seven runs if we want to be the five seed, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes out a lot of the variables that that create that conundrum in the first place. So yeah. I would add that as a third umpire quality competition and event structure. We always try to, as a group, stay pretty innovative with with switching up how we do things and, and being open to, to new ideas. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to get that in there. No, Eric, it makes sense. I think, Dude, I think thank I, you. I think I know where you're going with this, but shoot. Okay. Well, I, this would be a good chance for me to remind our audience. We're talking to Arlo from GSL tournaments. So you know where I'm going about team rankings and, and how does that work? Cause we, can, I'm asking Drew all the time, how does this break down? And my wife wants to know, parents want to know. They were trying to understand how the rankings work. Absolutely. We've gone through, gosh, probably seven different tech platforms in my 10 years of doing this. We've used. Sports Engine, we've used Tourney Machine, we've used Exposure, we've used Team Sports Admin, we've used uh, League Apps, we've used Tourney Pro or some guys out of Canada that we tried for a year. We've tried a lot of different platforms with the goal of finding one that has registration, scheduling, and an app all in one spot, which we think we finally landed on with Exposure, which is what we use now for all our tournaments. They also have a ranking system, which is ELO, which I, again, 
this is probably closer to rocket science than, than doing a schedule, but it's basically the ranking system they use for chess and, mm. oh, okay. wow. and an RPI. So the whole thing is based off of the level of competition. So if you beat a, everybody starts out at like a thousand points, right? So if I beat a team that is eight, no, and I say I'm eight, eight, no, and they're eight, no, and I beat them, I get more points than if I'm if I'm eight no and I beat a team that's two and ten, mm-hmm. I barely get points for beating that team. Whereas if I beat the good team, I get more points. Got it. And so for us for the ranking system, last year was our first year as a trial with it. So this year it'll be better actually utilizing it. But it, it's based more similar to the RPI system that that you'd see at like college football. So what we use it for, I think it's great if teams use it. I mean, I think I told this to you, Andrew, and I don't want to like let the cat out of the bag. I'm sure it's no, no surprise. I think a lot of places that use points and depending on how they get points, you, you want people to play with you. So if they play with you in your tournaments and your events, you give them points, right? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really represent a real ranking. It represents loyalty to your brand and you get rewarded for playing with people, right? It doesn't tell the story of who's maybe the, the actual one, two, three, four teams in, in the area, right. which for us... I think that's great to have that for the teams. We more so use it, envision using it in the future as we continue to get more familiar with it, is using it for scheduling, right? So mm-hmm. taking uh, – this year we got rid of AAA and majors from the – like teams can put in what they want to play as, AAA or majors, based off their, their competition level. We will take a division of 16 teams – find where like the big drop off is in that that ELO ranking and then create our you know inside of that division create AAA and majors on our own based off of what the team's actual success is if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure yeah. so that's what we use the rankings for i think it's a great way for the kids and the teams to have fun tracking where they're at and how they're doing i think there's two massive sides to youth baseball especially you start getting into tournaments and the business of it right there's the competition and that drive to be the best and, and provide the best product and, and be the best team in an area. And then there's that developmental side, which also exists, right? And it's for us, one of the constant things we're battling is, you know, all those kids deserve the same experience, right? If you're a double A developmental team, you deserve the same experience as, as a major team. So how, yeah. how do we identify it and how do we put stuff in place in order to do that is, I mean, let me, if you figure that out, you have my number. (laughs) We'll let you know. There's lots of sunken concrete out there, and most of it doesn't need to be replaced. I'm Bill Freiberg. My son Dave and I own 1866 Slabjack. We raise sunken concrete. If you have a settled sidewalk or uneven driveway, don't worry about the high cost of replacement. We can simply raise your concrete back to where it should be, leaving you a clean level surface. Our process is quick and easy and a fraction of the cost of replacement. Give us a call. 1866-SLABJACK, SLABJACK. Welcome back to Baseball's Inside Journey with Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Well, it's funny how when you talk about that and you describe it from your standpoint, obviously you're going to use it for you know, keeping some sort of a balanced schedule within a tournament and making sure teams are you know, put against the right competition. But I found it when I first started coaching travel ball, I found it kind of hilarious, to be honest with you, when I would hear kids sing or even a parent telling me, oh, my God, this team is the number whatever ranked team in the state. And I'm like, 
what the heck is that supposed to mean? What ranking? What you know? I can put yeah. my ace pitcher against this team, but my best lineup out there, and I'll roll the dice. I'll I think we can beat that team, and we have in the past, right? And yes. and it's it's funny how you know, for depending on what standpoint you're coming from, th- these rankings mean different things. But certainly, a program that's that's ranked highly can use that as a as some sort of uh, maybe a, a marketing tool, I guess, to say, hey, come play for our program. No, one hundred percent. You know, you and I have spoke before also. I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple other things that you do outside of just the GSL tournaments. And you talk about yeah. your, your fall prospects league, which I found was really cool. Didn't know anything about it. And also, I think you mentioned a little bit about regional games too. But maybe you could talk about those two things because I think there's probably yeah. a lot of people out there that might be interested in hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. So can I go back to when I started doing this with the tournaments? One of my best friends, we, we started doing all this stuff together. His, his name's Rhett Parker. And I was actually coaching, and, and I ended up running tournaments with him. I was coaching in his tournaments, and then I ended up running tournaments with him. We've always had a different section of the, the business where we have a thing called Northwest Elite, and then we have a thing called Pacific Northwest Regional Baseball. And they're both they're both geared very similar to what we're talking about with development and, and competition and exposure, right? So Northwest Elite has always offered something called experience trips and a fall scout team. So experience trips are for kids ages 11 to 18. And we identify players at our tournaments who are pretty good competitive players. We talk to the coaches, guys that are you know, diehard baseball fans, love the game, try to find gamers that want to go travel as a group with no parent involvement and like we take a group out to Baltimore every year for the last 12 years and the kids fly as a team, stay in hotels as a team, eat all their meals as a team. And the coaches and the coaching staff are responsible for them like a little college baseball trip. So that's very much experience based to, I mean, you guys can probably speak to this if you played any sports, right? Winning and losing games or championships is, is one thing, but you remember the stories of the time, you know, traveling or at the hotel room or mm-hmm. on an airplane or in between games, whatever it might be. So that's kind of geared towards the experience and development off the field through the game of baseball. We have a senior scout team in the fall. It is fall quarter of, of a senior year of high school. We find guys that are kind of fringe level division one high end junior college baseball players. And we go play, you know, doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday for eight weekends against the NWAC schools, the junior college conference in the Northwest. Mm -hmm. We travel, we play those teams so the kids can get exposure to the programs, play in front of the college coaches and be evaluated, but also kind of see what the program's about, right? So get a, get a firsthand look at how competitive they are, coaching styles, what the school looks like. So we do that. And then on the other side of things, so, so like that Northwest Elite Senior Scout Team Experience Trips is like that 80th to 95th percentile of players. Every once in a while, you, you'll get that top 5 percentile of players that they are looking for something like that, or they, it just makes sense for them to do it. Then we run an event called the P&W Games, which, same thing, we use the tournaments. Our staff identifies and handpicks players. It's a three-day event in Puyallup all at one location. We use the Puyallup Rec Center, which isn't the best location for the fields because two of the fields are 300-foot fences. And these are, you know, 100 of the best players in the Northwest (laughs) in each grad class. And so while the fields may not be perfect, the fact that there's three fields back-to-back-to-back and there's about 30 Division I schools there and 
probably another 30 Division II, Division three, and junior college schools there. It provides them the ability to watch three games at one time and they see every pitch, which is, yeah. you know, far outweighs playing on, you know, 400 foot fields. So right. the PW games is an event we run 120 or so kids from each class, high school class that we identify as, you know, say division one prospects. There's no way there's a hundred division one prospects in each class, but it's the best, most competitive players. And we try to keep it as small as possible so that when the colleges show up, it's kind of filtered out for them to see the best players in our area. So we run mm-hmm. the tournaments as a you know, part of the benefit of playing in our high school tournaments is we use those as a way to identify players. They don't have to go to camps. They don't have to do ID stuff. They just, by playing and competing in our events, we identify them and, and we invite them to that showcase and, and they do that. And then with the change in landscape for recruiting, we started running our own fall scout league where a lot of those players will play against each other in the fall. And oh, cool. some of the Division One schools will fly out and watch them play. But it's, it's it's so it's recruiting good, yes. Finding really good competitive high school fall baseball without having to travel much is one of the best benefits for it. Is how often do you find that many good players on the field together in the fall time? Mm-hmm. So, so how do you typically find those players? I mean, you guys, you said you kind of guys go around at the tournaments too, but I suppose you rely on your network a little bit of the coaches. Yeah, we have coaches we trust, guys that are reliable. I'm sure. There's you probably know guys that'll you know, guy tells you the kid throws 85 a kid throws you show up you watch a kid he's 78. It's, it's, <laughs> that's one of the best things that we built our reputation on with college coaches is trust because I have no no reason to tell a guy hey go watch this kid he throws at 90 miles an hour if he's throwing 82. Mm-hmm. So not overselling kids massive benefit when you talk about relationships and trust with colleges. Yeah, as a parent, how would we? kind of find out more about about these different opportunities for our, you know, high school age kids as far as like the senior scout team or the, you know, your Pacific Northwest games and things like that. I would like to say just like I'm I'm not a title guy, uh, <laughs> not not a great not a great self promoter, so we actually I mean we probably do a, a slight disservice to our the stuff we do by not really promoting it heavily on social media, but we word of mouth reputation. So we we mm-hmm. do have a lot of guys that are network coaches that we trust that if they have players, we seldomly take guys sight unseen. At some point, most everyone will play in our tournament or a tournament, so it's it's easy for us to see them there. We do four identification camps. We're not I, we're not massive camp people. I don't love them, but every year we've probably f- found a guy or two that ends up getting invited to something that that's a pretty good player who we might not have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. Baseball's expensive and opportunities are expensive. We try really hard to keep all our costs down for everything we do. So just to give you an example, like the PNW games is about $225 a kid. Oh. You're, you're playing three, three to four games in front of 30 division one schools over three days. We could probably triple that price and fill it, but that's not yeah. our goal. Yeah. Mm. Well, so, that's, I mean, that, that's know. what everybody wants to, no. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here saying <laughs> we're running a charity. Yeah, right. No, 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 no. I get it. We get it. But, well, but, you guys are doing a great job from yeah. our standpoint. Every time we do one of your tournaments, it's always well run. And I think the umpires are good and we trained, appreciate and, it. Yeah. It really, it, it, they're always well been a good experience. So, 100%. uh, from our standpoint, we need to wrap this up, Arlo. I, I think there's so many other, subjects that we'd probably like to cover with you you've you're a wealth of knowledge and and would like to have you back on sometime yeah, if you're 100%. all right with that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we didn't even get into the fun stuff. Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're still in the introduction stage. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're right. You're probably right. I mean, there's. I think some of the ranking information is something I think people don't know much about. I think it was good that we covered that, and and also about some of these other opportunities you have for somewhat perhaps unnoticed uh, high school players or just giving more visibility to those players is is really important and and we'll what we'll do is we'll put up some of your information on our website baseballsinsidejourney.com and of course we have our social media and we'll kind of try to link with you on that a little bit too so so anyway we can always be help try to help be that resource as well appreciate it awesome Thank you, Arlo. We appreciate it. We're going to get you back on, man, because we want to talk about, you know, just the, the quality and quantity and the, the, the fields, the umps, and the and uh, just the, the rising costs and how you guys manage. There's just so many things to talk There's about. Lot, it. So yeah. we'll, we'll get back with you on this. This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and is primarily designed for educational purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at facebook.com slash podcast dot baseball.